Hi, this is Pastor Ronnie Henson, and I want to welcome you to the podcast of Ellettsville First Assembly of God. Our church has a desire to heal hearts and change lives with the love of Jesus Christ, so I pray that what you hear in this message draws you closer to Him. Our worship services are Sundays at 10 a.m., and the main entrance to our campus is at the corner of First Street and Association Street here in Ellettsville. Thanks again for listening today. For the next couple of weeks here, um, today and and next week in particular anyway, I'm going to be preaching to you some vision messages. Um, messages, well, Scripture says without vision, the people will perish, right? And so then it says, too, that we're to write the vision on the walls, make it plain to see. So today after service, go out in the foyer, we've got some crayons and markers available for you. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> some of you are looking at me like, what? Really? You're going to do this? Yeah, so... Um, No, we wouldn't do that. But for these next two weeks, they're not only really going to be just messages about the vision of the church. Um, The vision of the church will be in it, but you personally have got to have vision over your own personal life. Do you understand that? That you have to have vision over your own personal life. Every area of your personal life, there's got to be vision. You don't always want to be stuck in the same rut, do you? No, not in the same place you've always been. Neither should we as a church. We shouldn't be stuck in a a rut either if we're going to attempt to reach this community in this area, this region for Jesus. I believe this, that God has a plan for this church. I believe with all my heart. I believe that God has placed Ellettsville First Assembly on this block in Ellettsville for a reason. A specific reason. Back in 1941... A little while ago, right? 79 years. A little while. And, uh, you know, when he, when he put this, I say he put this building up, I recognize uh, there was a construction process by men, but really it was God who placed this church here on this piece of ground. And when he put this church here on this piece of ground, I don't think that it was just for a bunch of people to come here and be blessed. It wasn't just for a bless me club or get together on Sunday morning and things. It was to preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe that, but it was also to reach out with the love of Christ to people in this community. It wasn't just to to get together right here and say, hey, let's have a good time, right? It was to reach out. And so just like God has a plan for this church, like I said, He also has a plan and a vision for your life too. If He has a plan, He has to have a vision uh, vision to see that plan come to pass. And, uh, you know, you remember the little song? Uh, it's kind of a Christmas song, but uh, do you hear what I hear? Remember that song? I believe that God would say over us, maybe even today, do you see what I see? Do you see the vision that I have planned for your life? Um, the question is, do you see what he sees? Um, I don't know if you have ever seen this before, but um, there's this, sometimes I get a kick out of commercials, okay? I get a kick out of some commercials that are kind of funny. I like the Geico commercials, you know? I just like those. There's this one in particular where um, Pinocchio is involved. You'll recognize this if you've seen it, Um, but he's there and 
well, actually, before that, there's a dad and a son talking. There's a dad that says to the son, well, did you know that Pinocchio was not a very good motivational speaker? And uh, Pinocchio is standing then there before a crowd of people, a room full of people, and he looks at somebody and he says, did you know? I'm trying not to look at anyone <laughs> right now. <laughs> this is hard. So I'm just going to look right here in the middle aisle. And uh, he said, did you know that you have potential? And immediately his nose grows, saying basically that that guy has zero potential. You understand? And, and uh, as his nose continues to grow a little bit further, the guy just kind of slumps down like this, like, I have no potential. I, there is something wrong with me. I just, I don't know. I get a kick out of that commercial. I laugh at that one every single time, just about. But listen, not so with God. He knows your potential. He knows the potential that's in your life, your full, complete, and maybe even untapped potential. He knows it, and that you have it. And he can change your life in an instant to propel you higher and farther than you ever thought that you could go. And listen, when we hear those words about propelling you higher and farther than you ever thought that you could go, immediately our human minds think success. You know what I mean? We start thinking success, worldly success. But this is not about any type of worldly success. It's about living for and serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's about kingdom work. Are you a kingdom warrior? Are you a kingdom servant? It's about benefiting the kingdom of God, not benefiting ourselves. And so I you see the message on the, the screen today. I've titled the message, A Change of Trajectory. The Lord spoke this word, trajectory. I'm going to say that word a whole lot, and hopefully I pronounce it right every time. But, uh, you know, sometimes if you say one word over and over and over again so much, you start mixing it up a little bit. So trajectory, a change of trajectory. The Lord spoke that word into my life um, probably about six to eight months ago. I can't put a, put a pin on it necessarily, but about six or eight months ago, so that'd be about June of last year, 2019, the Lord spoke that word in my life, and you know how sometimes a, a word will come into your life, and you'll hear that word, and then all of a sudden you'll, you'll see that word somewhere else, or you'll read that word somewhere else, or you'll hear someone say that word to you in another way, in another capacity, and it just keeps popping up over and over and over and over again. Well, that's what kind of happened to me about six to eight months ago. This word trajectory just kept coming up in my life over and over and over again. One time in particular, one moment in particular, I'm going to kind of touch on that a little bit more so next week, but uh, this word just kept coming up, and so I started doing some research on what trajectory is, and uh, I came up with this. Go ahead to that next picture there. That's trajectory. Understand? All right, let's go home. No. Um, how many of you are math people out there? You like, you like math. Okay, so there's one hand in the room, two hands in the room, three. All right, I see that hand. Praise the Lord. Um, I'm kind of a math person, and, uh, you know, I know that this won't make sense to many people and things, but it's all about graphing and this and that and under a force and physics and everything. Anyway, so, but a little more simply put, for all of you who are not math people out there, we have a definition also for trajectory. Trajectory, it defined, it's the path or a curve that an object or a projectile takes towards its destination. How many feel like you're in school right now? Yeah. Don't worry, we'll get to Scripture real fast here. 
Um, but this is, this is why that even you'll see this picture on the background of, of the screen here of the, those words. You'll see that picture in the background. That's an actual trajectory path, or that's a, a rocket flight out towards space. Okay, and they took kind of like a slow picture of that, a lens flare picture of it. And, uh, you know, that's why we have that one, the picture on the screen. But if I could bring it down to earth for everybody, so to speak, um, how many of you have a garden hose at your house? Okay, so you'll understand this pretty well. When I was a kid, I don't know why I liked to do this when I was a kid, but I liked to take that hose, turn it on full blast, and point it straight down into the ground. And it would dig out a hole. I see some kids nodding their heads like, yeah, that's fun. <laughs> and it would dig out a hole right there in the dirt. You know what I mean? You just spray it as hard as you can right there, like power washing the earth. That's what I'm doing. I'm power washing the earth. Okay? So no matter how much force that you apply with that garden hose, with the water pressure that's come out of it, it's only going to go so far because you've got it pointed straight down, right? But you understand what happens that as you raise it, the trajectory of that water, it goes further, higher, and further than you were, you were right here before, and it was only going right at your toes, but now it's going way on out. Okay, we all understand that, okay? We understand that, all right. So if maybe then I, I took this, this ball out of my pocket today, and I have this little racquetball in my pocket, and I invited... Uh, one of our, our students, maybe, to come up. Josh, come on, give me my guinea pig again. I'm going to bring him up here. So if I, you can just stand right down here, down front, real quick. We won't take long with this. But if I were to take this ball, and I were to say, Josh, I want you to catch this ball, okay? Are you ready? Are you ready? <laughs> you didn't catch it, Josh. What's wrong? If I'm going to try real hard this time. I'm going to focus. I'm going to really focus. What's, what's wrong here? My trajectory's off, somebody said. I heard that out there. My trajectory's off. As much as I might try... Josh, you didn't catch the ball. No, 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 no. You're, you're, you got to stay over there. He's like, what, I, what am I doing wrong here? What am I doing wrong? You're not doing anything wrong, okay? I'm just I'm proving a point here. See, as long as I continue to keep my eyes down here and try to throw the ball to Josh right here, I'm in trouble because I'm not going to be able to do what it is that I'm intending to do, correct? The intended target's over there, but my trajectory, my focus even, my eyes are down here. It's... It's right there. But if I will lift my eyes and focus on the actual target and understand, listen maybe even to the, the plan that's going on inside of my head, that there's, hmm, I, I can't continue to do this if I'm trying to get it over there. So I've got to understand that there's a better way to do this. And then I'll, I'll get the vision behind it. And then I'll actually apply a method to make it happen, then it'll happen, right? It's pretty simple, isn't it? All right, go ahead. All right, you can go ahead and have a seat. Thanks, Josh. Okay, so that's the four steps I want to give you this morning 
of accomplishing God's vision in your life. I've got them on the screen there for you. You can see them, and uh, you can write them down now if you're taking notes, or you can come back to them. We'll be hitting them a little bit more in just a bit. But the first is this. Acknowledge His way is better than mine. His way is better than mine. The second, seek to understand His way, and that's to listen and obey Him. The third is to receive the vision, and then the fourth is to use wisdom to apply a plan or a method for the intended result. And like I said, we'll get to those four steps in just a minute. And I know some of you, you're, you're jotting them down and things, but don't worry, they'll be on the screen throughout the rest of the, the message here today. But before we touch on these, I want to tell you something very important. So if you're writing those, just pause for a second and write this down. God can change the trajectory of a willing servant's life in an instant. God can change your trajectory of a willing servant's life in an instant. But therein lies the catch. You and I have got to be willing servants. Got to be. Ready and willing to serve Him. Do whatever it is that He asks for His glory, not for our own glory. There's an example. There's a bunch of examples, actually. There's example after example, really, in Scripture about how God changed their trajectory of a willing servant's life or maybe even in a group of people's lives in order to achieve his intended result. But I want to focus on just one of those today, and it's in the life of a man by the name of Gideon. Many of you are very familiar with his story. If you want to turn with me to Judges chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn there because not everything will be on the screen today. Um, we're going to scan through some of it together. But Judges chapter 6 and Judges chapter 7 is where we'll be. I want to give you just a little bit of background of chapter 6 here. The people of Israel, they were always in and out of trouble, uh, mostly because they did not eradicate and get rid of all the other people who were living in the promised land when they went in to possess the promised land. They didn't get rid of all the other foreign peoples. And so they have all these foreign people living among them, worshiping false gods. And so you'll see in chapter 6 and verse 10 that God reminds them of his original command. And he says, I said to you, and this is in the past, he said, I have said this to you prior. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. You haven't done what I've told you to do. How many understand there's value in just listening and obeying and doing what God says we're supposed to do? Yeah, definitely. We'll keep out of trouble if we'll just listen to him and do what he says, don't you think? But because they didn't obey, the Lord allowed the Midianites to conquer Israel. And for seven years, the Midianites have control of the people of Israel and they ruined everything. They put everything to ruin. All the crops, all the cattle, they came through Israel and they just wanted to sweep up all of their resources and ruin all their resources so they couldn't survive really necessarily or, or, or so that they would be weakened as a people. And while Gideon is there, the Bible says he was threshing some wheat in a wine press. Now, I don't know if you know what a wine press is, but it's like this, this pit. Sometimes they were dug out in rocks um, nearby in these rocks and, and, I guess, mountainous regions. And so they would dig them out, and they would have this wine press where they would tread on the grapes, and, and the, the, the grape juice would flow down into a lower portion so they could clean it out and everything. They would keep only the juice. And so 
Um, he was in a wine press and he was threshing wheat. That's not normally the primary place to thresh wheat because normally you'd want to be out in the open in the air. I'll get to that in a little while. But while Gideon was threshing the wheat there in the wine press, he was really hiding from the Midianites because he had this wheat and this was a resource. And he knew if the Midianites, Midianites came by, they'd probably take it and ruin it and get rid of it. And so he's hiding from them. And an angel of the Lord visits him in verse 11 and verse 12. The angel says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord's with you. And Gideon doesn't understand this. And he says, pardon me, my Lord. But if the Lord's with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us. You hear his terminology and what he's saying. The Lord's abandoned us, and he's given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength that I have, go in the strength you have, and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? He says. And you hear Gideon reply, he says, Pardon me, my Lord. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Let's pause here just for a few minutes. Because just a, <clears throat> excuse me, a few minutes ago, I said that God can change the trajectory of a willing servant's life in an instant. But you and I, we've got to be willing servants. We have to be willing servants. Ready to do whatever it is that he asks. All for his glory. What could have happened in this moment when, when the angel visited Gideon? What could have happened right here, right now, when, when the angel says to him, The Lord's with you, you mighty warrior. Well, Gideon could have just said, Well, if the Lord's with me, let's go. Let's take off. Let's, let's, uh, let's get, rid of the, get rid of these Midianites. Seven years is too long. Hey, who's with me? Let's join up and let's just go defeat these guys. Let's go get rid of them. And he would have fallen flat on his face. Right here in verse 15, this is where the Lord knew that he had the right person for the job because Gideon says, how can I save Israel? I can't do it on my own. My clan is the, the weakest and I'm the least in my family. I can't do this. Gideon knew he was inadequate in his own strength. He can't do it just on his own. He said, I know my own weaknesses, he said. How, do you, how many know what Paul says later on in the New Testament that our weaknesses give God an opportunity to show off his strength, right? Isn't that true? Our weaknesses give an opportunity. Paul even says, I'm going to boast about my weaknesses so that Christ's power can rest on me. It's kind of from this point on, I believe that God knew he had the right person for the job. He knew that he had the right person. This is the one that I can use to work my miracle through. And so this is the place where Gideon's whole trajectory changes. And what was he up to up, up until this point? I mean, Gideon was not a noticeable person. He wasn't a prominent person in Israel. All the scripture says about Gideon up until this point is just that he was a son of Joash. That's it. That's all it says about him. There's no other prior history. But let me tell you this. It doesn't matter who you are or where you come from. If the Lord is with you, you can do great things. As long as He's with you. That's exactly what verse 16 says, isn't it? Look at that one. It says, the Lord answers, I might be with you, 
and you might be able to strike down some of the Midianites. Is that what it says? Are you paying attention this morning? No. The Lord says, I will be with you and I will strike down. You will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Not some, right? Leaving none alive. How's that for a statement? Right? How's that for a change of your trajectory, forgetting, going from hiding to now being a mighty warrior for God with a mission and a promise, knowing that God said, I'm going to be with you. You're going, to, you're going to take care of every single one of these guys. So now real quick, if we look at Gideon's story, let's walk through some of the steps that we mentioned just a few moments ago about accomplishing God's vision for our life because he didn't just receive this word from God. He also carries it out. If you look at the steps again, the first one was this. Acknowledge that his way is better than my way. His way is better than mine. Boy, did Gideon ever discover this one. If you know the rest of his story here of what takes place with the battle with the Midianites, you'll know Gideon definitely discovers this. You can scan through chapter 7 with me a little bit. Gideon gets his army together. He's ready to go out and march out to meet the Midianites, and God stops him along the way, doesn't he? And he says, Gideon, you've got too many men with you. Now, normally in a battle, if you're going to fight someone in war, it's better to have more people with you than less, right? Yeah, but not so this time. God says, you've got too many men. And so in verse 3, God says to him, now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear, those guys can turn back and they can leave. They can go. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. And so verse 4, the Lord said to Gideon, though, but there's still too many men. Well, God, I don't, I don't understand. We've got, we've got several thousand, God, who have left already. 22,000 left. I've got several thousand have left, God. See, at this point, Gideon could have done a couple of things, couldn't he? He could have whined, right? Not that any of us are ever whiners when it comes to the plan of God and the purpose of God being fulfilled in our life. We're never going to whine. We're never going to complain. We're never going to sell ourselves short. We're never going to do any of those things. We're not going to whine, right? He could have whined, though, right? He could have attempted to reason with God. Well, God, I don't know... I've only got 10,000. That's not very many. So, God, you know, this seems like a pretty good number to me. Lord, this isn't very logical. Listen, we, mankind, we have a problem with logical thinking sometimes. And the problem, I believe, we're just, we're guilty of being too logical with God. Do you understand what I mean? Too logical with them. Uh, we put a supernatural God into a box of this created world and the physical limitations that we see around us, the things that we see with our eyes, we put the supernatural God into a box of experiences that are in this world, a world that, by the way, He created in the beginning. Do we live in a physical world? Yeah, sure we do. Does this world in and of itself have limitations and boundaries? Yes, but when we're about the work of the kingdom of God, it's less about logic and more about faith. 
I hope you're hearing me this morning. Faith is intended to blow those words of logic out of the water. Hear me when I say this. If living for God were totally logical, there would be no room for the supernatural. And if there's no room for the supernatural, then we reduce God to basically one of us, and that basically makes us a deist. That's what a deist is. Someone who believes that there is a God, but he really has no supernatural intervention in the life of this world right here. So we go to step number two. We've already acknowledged that God's way is better than our way. Go to step number two. It says, seek then to understand his way. That means we've got to listen and we've got to obey. So what does Gideon do? Instead of reasoning or instead of whining about it or being logical with God, he says, well, there's something here I need to understand. God says to Gideon, there's still too many men. And so he doesn't whine about it. He doesn't reason with them. He stayed on step number two there. Well, I'm going to try to understand your way, God, not my own way. I'm going to listen to you, and I'm going to obey. And so as a matter of fact, if you look in Scripture, you won't find that Gideon said anything at all at this point. God just continues to speak in verse 4. He says, take them down to the water, and I'm going to thin them out for you right there. If I say this one shall go, then he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, then he shall not go. Many of you know the rest of this story, the part of this story. The Lord says to, to Gideon, well, those who get down on their knees, those who drop down under their knees to get water, and they drink like that, they, they get down onto their knees and they drink water, send them home. Send them on home. But those ones who, they cup the water in their hand and pull the water up to their mouth and they lap like dogs, he says, those ones, keep those ones. And I'm not going to get into the significance of that this morning because we really don't have the time to. But you know what happens in the story, if you've read it before, that only 300 people remain to fight against the entire Midianite army. And so God says, with these 300 men, I'm going to save you and I'm going to give you every single one of the Midianites into your hands. And he says, let all the others go home. You only get 300 now, how many of you believe this, that even if you are in the exact right, perfect place, perfect will of God, that there can still be fear that comes. There can still be worry that comes because we're human. We deal with those things. Sure. So go back to the steps with me. The third step is this, to receive the vision. Receive the vision. Too often we get trapped, once again, we get trapped in this place of our own worldly understanding, even though we might be listening to Him, even though we might be committed to obeying Him, we're walking in our faith, but our vision can still be trapped by what it is that we see with our eyes in this physical world, in the here and the now. So look at what God does with Gideon. If you look in verse 10, He says, Well, Gideon, if you're afraid to attack, why don't you go ahead on down to the camp with your servant, Pura, and listen to what they're saying. And afterward, you're going to be encouraged to attack the camp. So he gives Gideon this kind of a confirmation by giving him a window into the vision of God. And so he says, go on down to the camp. And so he and Pura, his servant, went down to the outposts of the camp. In verse 12, the Midianites 
the Amalekites, all the people of the eastern peoples there, they're settled in the valley, thick as locusts, the Bible says. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. That's a lot of camels. And so in verse 13, Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. The man says, I had a dream. And he was saying, a round loaf of barley came, bread came and tumbled into the midnight camp and it struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and it collapsed. And his friend responded and said, this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. And when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, what does he do? He bows down and he worships. Why did Gideon worship? Why did he worship right there in that moment? I believe it's this, because right there in that moment, he caught the vision of God. Right there, he caught the vision of what God was going to do. He knew right then that God had given them into his hands. He knew that even with just 300 men, he was going to be able to do this. Why? Because he knew this already, that in these two guys, that he heard this dream right here, he knew that there was fear in the heart of even the Midianite army. He knew that they were afraid of Gideon and his own army. They were filled with this fear. And so if you go to step four real quickly, it says that we're to use the wisdom and apply a plan or a method for the intended result. This is, I'll preface this in saying this, that this is not in the verses of Scripture, but I believe that because of the interpretation of that dream, hearing the dream and the, hearing the interpretation of that dream and the fear that he knew was in the hearts of these men, I believe Gideon went back to his own army and all the way back, as he's making his trip back to where his army was, he's just thinking this. He's thinking, we're going to use that fear that's in these men, that's in this army, to bring a victory to the Lord. And I want you to notice something here. Never does it say that God gave Gideon a plan. Look in Scripture. Find the moment for me that it says that God said to Gideon, I want you to take these 300 men and I want you to surround that army with the, your horses, your chariots. Go ahead and surround that army, Gideon. And I want you to take those clay jars and I want you to take the torches inside the clay jars. And then and when I say three, one, two, three, I want you to smash those jars and they're going to see the lights and they're going to hear that and it's going to scare them and they're going to start fighting each other. Where does it say that God said to Gideon, do this? It doesn't. You won't find it in Scripture. It says Gideon comes up with or he devises this plan himself. And he says, I'm not trying to make Gideon great here and famous because we know the Lord gives him wisdom. The Lord gives wisdom. We talked all about wisdom last week. The Lord gave him wisdom for this plan. But where did it come from? It came from the moment when he was standing in front of the tent of these other guys and he hears them share this dream, and he senses the fear that's in their heart, and he says, I know what let, let's do. He said, let's, let's make it sound like that there's tons of us, and so we're going to bust these jars, and they're going to hear the, the almost like hearing chariots surrounding them. They're going to hear so many people, it's going to frighten them. And they're going to be scared, and they're going to start fighting off each other. Knowing the fear that's in these men's hearts, he used that fear to develop a plan that would bring God victory that day. Gideon didn't come up with the plan himself. God gave him wisdom, but God didn't give him the plan. Gideon, through the Lord's wisdom, came up with this plan. 
want you to hear this, that it wasn't even about necessarily coming up with the exact right plan of action. Sometimes God may give you the exact right, exact right plan of action. He may give you a specific thing to do. But sometimes He doesn't. But if God has promised you a victory, do you understand what I'm saying here? If God has promised you a victory, what are you going to do? Are you just going to sit back and wait until God gives you the exact right plan? Or are you going to go knowing that if God is with me, I'm going to be victorious? Well, we got to do something, Gideon said. I've only got 300 guys. I've got to do something. So let, let's go here. Let's, let's do something here. And as long as you know God's with you, as long as you know that He is with you, you can know you're going to be successful. I'll wrap this up and kind of bring it to a close real quickly. I want to remind you of something. Not too long ago, in Gideon's story here, where is Gideon? He's hiding in a wine press. He's threshing wheat. I don't know if you're very familiar with what the process is of threshing wheat, but they would have these big, almost like I, I do this all the time, I, I see like this big threshing fork, the big, big, huge, it's, you know, eight feet, ten feet long. They have this big fan, the winnowing fan, Scripture calls it. And they would thresh this wheat, they would throw it up in the air and allow the chaff to be blown away while the wheat would fall to the ground. They would sift it and throw it up in the air and allow the chaff to blow away while the wheat would come down and fall down. And the primary place to do that is not in a wine press. You want to be out in the open, out, out, out wide, so the wind can come. And you can throw that up in the air, and it can blow off, and all that wheat can fall. But what's he doing? He's hiding. Gideon's hiding. He didn't want the Midianite army to come and get their resources and get what he was preparing as a, a resource to the people. So he's hiding there in a, in a wine press. And Gideon goes, do you see the, the trajectory change of his life? He goes from hiding at the wine press, threshing wheat, to being a victorious commanding officer for the army of the people of God. There's a dramatic change here in just a few moments. Why? Because God saw there's a willing servant that I can use for my glory. God changes trajectory, causing him to be able to do more than he ever thought that he'd be able to do. Look through the Bible, and you'll find example after example. I mean, go back through the Old Testament, the New Testament, both, and you'll find example after example of people whose life, the trajectory of their life was dramatically changed. Look at David. David was a shepherd boy, right? But then anointed... And because of the anointed, anointing became the king. Look at the lives of guys like Peter and James and John. Scripture says they were just ordinary people, ordinary men. But then later on, Scripture says that these men turned the world upside down. Why? Because they had been with Jesus, right? Look at the life of Paul and how he had a change of trajectory on his life, didn't he? I mean, he went from persecuting and killing Christians to preaching the gospel, seeing people come to know the Lord. Look at the life of a woman by the name of Mary Magdalene. If you remember her in Scripture, 
What was it that was said about her? That she had seven demonic spirits living on the inside of her, living within her, but yet then she's delivered from that. And who is it that's right there at the foot of the cross as Jesus is dying? Who is it that's there at the open grave, first one to see the resurrected Jesus? It's Mary Magdalene. A bit of a change in her life, don't you think? I could go on and on. I mean, you look throughout all the scripture, you'll find person after person after person through the trajectory of their life. I'll even go as far as to say somebody like Rahab, who in the Old Testament was a prostitute, but yet she was counted worthy later on, wasn't she? Oh my goodness. The trajectory of a person's life can change in just a moment as long as they will be a willing servant of God. A willing servant of His. That's how it all starts. And that's how it started with Gideon. He just wanted to be a willing servant. That's how he was found faithful. And that's what's, if that's what was in his heart, to be found faithful, to be a willing servant, then if I want the Lord to use me for his glory, if I believe that God has a plan for my life, if I believe God has a purpose for my life, and if I believe God has something, something for me to do for his glory, if there is untapped potential that's in my life, we go back to that again, uh, that whole visual illustration, if there is untapped potential that's in my life, I want to see it come about for God's glory. Anybody else? You there with me? Why don't you go ahead and stand to your feet with me this morning? How many would say to me today with an upraised hand, I want to accomplish the vision that God has for my life? I might not see what He sees, but I want to accomplish exactly what he has in store for my life. I want to see the things that he sees for my life. I want to catch his vision. You know, if I were to, I started to do this this morning. I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but um, I started to have some obstacles placed up right here in this altar area, some large boxes or something. And I've done this before in other settings and, and things, but maybe to have someone over here on this edge and, and have them kind of navigate around those boxes without being able to see. And they just had to listen to my voice. And I would have had to turn my microphone off, right, so they could understand where it is that I am, so they could follow. You understand what I'm saying? I started to do that this morning because nine times out of ten, that's where it really starts. Because all of us can... We can raise our hand and say, I want to accomplish the vision that God has for my life. I want to do what it is that, that He wants in my life. Every single one of us, how many of you could say, yes, God's plan is better than mine? Oh yeah, definitely. Every one of us can. So that's step one. We got that down. Right? But then step two comes along. The point of saying, okay, well now I have to listen to Him and I have to obey what it is that He says. And that's where the difficulty comes. I understand still there's a long way from step two, then to step three, and then to step four. I understand that's a whole process. But it starts really back at number one, but the hardest part comes back at number two, listening and obeying. So God, I want to listen to you, and I want to hear what it is that you have for me, your vision, your plan for my life. There's going to be some times that we hear his vision, we hear his plan, and we, uh, he's given us this goal or objective or purpose. 
And we might say, well, Lord, I don't understand how you, that's going to happen, but I'm going I'm to commit, I'm going to be obedient, I'm going to follow you, I'm going to do what it is that you say. There might be some worry that sits inside of our hearts, there might be some fear wondering if we're really capable of doing this. But I believe that as we just continue to draw closer to him, that he'll reveal to you, he'll reveal to us the vision of what he's going to do in our life. And then we just need to be active in stepping out and doing something for the Lord. And his blessing will be on it. That's what we see in Gideon's life. It's what we see in Scripture. So I believe if we see it in Scripture, it can work for us too. So I want to pray with you this morning. And there's, there may be one or two or three or four or whatever it is that you just specifically feel like that there's more for your life and there's, there's something beyond what it is that you're doing now. And I, I'd love to be able to agree with you in prayer. You know, I've, I've heard this before a couple of times in some places um, that I've, I've been, some places where I've sat in on some, whether it's district ministry or what, I'm not sure where it is that I heard this before, but I don't want to be guilty as a pastor in a church, I don't want to be guilty of not initiating something within you that maybe God has a call on your life. And I not give you an opportunity to respond to a call that God may have on your life. You understand what I mean here? That maybe God has something in store for you beyond where it is that you think that you are able Maybe God has a call for you to minister in this church in some capacity that you just think, I'm not able. Maybe God has a call in your life to go beyond that and go into ministry in some other place. And this, this message is not just about this, okay? I want to make sure you understand that. It's not. But I don't want to be guilty as a pastor of not giving you an opportunity to respond to a call that God may have on your life. If God has a call in your life to do something for him, no matter what it is, I want you to be able to respond to it and to go there and do what it is that God asks you to do. Why don't you just bow your heads and close your eyes for a second? Maybe you would just pray this prayer to the Lord and say, God, I want to accomplish your vision from my life and not my own. Lord, would you open my eyes to see what it is that you have planned for my life. Would you open my ears, Lord, so that I would listen to you, God? It's so hard for us to listen. It's so hard for us to listen to the voice of God. We come into God's presence and we have a laundry list of things that we want to pray about, we want to ask, or we want to petition Him about. So many concerns and needs that we have, and I understand the importance of bringing our needs or our requests before the Lord. But it's so very hard for us to listen to him. I pray that you would find some time this week and set some time aside. If you're really desiring to accomplish God's vision for your life, I pray that you would use wisdom and seek out a place to listen from the Lord. Listen to him. As he speaks to you, then it's, our job to obey what it is that he says. So Lord, I pray right now, God, over this family, Lord, that you've given to us right here in this church. 
Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, Lord, myself included, every person in this room, Lord, maybe ones that are watching today, Lord. I, I don't know, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, Lord, your vision. Give us words, Lord, of your vision. May we see what it is that we're capable of. If you would just change the trajectory of our life in just a moment, that we could do wonders for the kingdom of God. If there's those of us that are in this room that are, maybe you've been thinking, you've been, this thought has been going through your mind, there's got to be more. There's got to be more that I can do for God. There's got to be more that I can do for the kingdom. If that's what you've been thinking, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. There is always going to be more that we can do for the kingdom of God. Lord, I pray that you would just press it on our hearts, the vision of God. Give us a window, Lord, into what it is that you might do. Give us a window into the vision like you did Gideon, Lord, when he, he stepped down and he, he, he heard those ones talking about that dream, the interpretation even of that dream. And right at that moment, Lord, I believe he was filled with the vision of God, knowing for a fact, God, you've given this to me. You've given this to me. All I've got to do is go back and put a plan into action. I've just got to go and let's do and trust that you're going to be with me. May we trust, Lord, that you're going to be with us. If you've given us a vision, how can we not think that you're going to be with us to accomplish that? You will. You will be with us. Your head's still bowed. Your eyes still closed here this morning. Just taking a moment to focus in on the Lord yourself. If the Lord's stirring something within you, I don't know what it might would be. And maybe you don't want to share it with me. If you don't want to share it with me, that's fine. But if the Lord is stirring something within you, something greater where you feel like there's more for my life, there's a greater purpose, there's a greater plan for me, and it's not about making me better than somebody else in the room. It's not about that at all. We just want to be your willing servants, Jesus. That's it. We just want to be your willing servant. Lord, if there's someone in here today who would say, I, I, I feel like that there's something more for me about, about the kingdom of God, for working in the kingdom of God, for doing in the kingdom of God. If that's where you're at, I want to be able to pray with you this morning and agree with you together this morning that there was, would be more. Maybe it's learning more. Maybe it's knowing more. Maybe it's teaching. Maybe it's, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe it's ministry of missions of some kind. I don't know. I don't know what it might would be. Maybe it's once you retire, you want to go into mission work. I don't know. But you just feel like that there's something more that God would have for you. I want to pray with you. I want to agree with you today. I want to see the vision of God for your life come to pass. So Lord, today as we, as we kind of close in prayer today, I pray that you would stir something within us, God, that we might be ready and willing servants of yours, God, so that if you choose to change your trajectory of our life, God, and enable us to reach higher and farther than we ever thought that we could possibly go for the kingdom of God, not for our own glory, Lord, I pray that we would just commit to your plan, that we would commit to listening to you, obeying you, God, that we would receive the vision, and then we would develop a plan of attack, God, and go and, and do whatever it is that you want us to do, God the work of the kingdom of God. I thank you, Jesus.
Thank you for what you might stir in one, two, three people's hearts today, whatever it might be, that you would stir something in someone's heart today. I'm going to ask you this one more time. Would you agree that his plan is better than yours? Yes, it is. So if we agree that, and we say, Lord, I want to know what your vision is, then we need to dedicate some time to listening to the Lord. Dedicate some time in our prayer closet and being with him. Setting aside a place and a time to say, Jesus, I want to hear from you. I want to hear what it is that you have in store for me. I'm, I'm serious about this one today. That maybe if there's one or two people, I don't know, one or 15, I don't know, people that would say that there's something more for my life than whatever it is that I've been currently doing, and I want to step out into the vision that God has for me. If that's who you are today, I want to be able to pray with you right here before you leave. Don't, don't just shrug it off and say, well, you know, yeah, I can pray at home. I want to agree with you because I want, to, I want to help you in whatever capacity that I can. Maybe if there's some classes for you to take, maybe our, our district school of ministry or something like that. I don't know. There's some ways that you can do some things to move forward into whatever it is that God's calling you. Whatever way I can help you in that, I want to be able to do it. So, Lord Jesus, I pray you be with your people as we go today, Lord, but those that come and pray, Lord, and come and agree with me today, Lord Jesus, that there's something greater, there's something for them that they're not doing now that you're calling them towards. Lord, I pray that you would just begin to establish it in their hearts. May it be concrete within them, Lord, that they can't get away from it. They can't get away from the idea that, Lord, you're doing something in us, in me. May we not be able to get away from it, Lord. May it almost, may your Holy Spirit just continue to track us down with it time after time after again. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We give it to you, Lord. We pray we're good hearers of your word and doers of it also. In Jesus' name.